All right. Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. All the way from Houston, Texas. Yeehaw. Okay, let me stop. Anyway, wow. It has been literally an entire month since I last posted an episode. And I must say, it was much needed. I think I was trying to do so many things at once, but I needed the break. I wouldn't say I had much of a break. However, it was much needed nonetheless. And I needed a tuna, like a fine tuning, right? I needed the Holy Spirit to do some work in me. And the Holy Spirit definitely did show up and show out in my life. So, hey, hallelujah, amen to that. But I want to welcome you all back. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for sharing this podcast. I thank you guys so much for just um, keeping in touch and staying in tune and reaching out to me. And I thank you so much for your lovely compliments about this podcast. A lot of times you don't know who's listening, right? Because it could be from anywhere across the world. Um, But to hear that your voice is soothing and anointing and and that it is actually touching many lives. It feels really good. And I'm just giving all glory to God because it has nothing to do with me. I tell you, it is not me. It is the Holy Spirit. And for that, I am just grateful. So thank y'all for tuning in. We are going to continue. We're going to jump right in because y'all know I don't want to waste any time and we have a lot of catching up to do. So at this time, we are going to go into Exodus chapter 26 and 27. And we're still talking about the laws that God laid down for the Israelites through Moses. And at this time, I think we're going to be going into the tabernacle and the altar of sacrifice uh, towards God. So this should be quite interesting and bear with me because I'm reading 26 and 27 for the first time with everyone else. And so we're all going to learn together. And so with that being said, let's start off with a prayer. Heavenly Father, I give you all praise and glory and honor. Thank you, Lord, for another opportunity to come in your presence. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word, your word that gives life, your word that gives life meaning. Father, we just say thank you. And we ask, Lord, that you decrease me, decrease me completely and fill me up with the Holy Spirit so that those who are listening at this moment will be able to receive your word, will be able to feel your presence even from the comforts of their own home through these radio waves. And so Heavenly Father, I just ask, Lord God, that you give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding from what we are going to read today. And we pray in the name of Jesus that it sows a seed in our hearts and those who are listening will feel a sense of comfort comfort and they will want to come to know you more. So use me, Heavenly Father, as that vessel. Use me as that gateway for those to seek you, for those to have an encounter with you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen, amen, amen in Jesus' name. All right, let's get started. So I'm now reading Exodus 26 and the subtitle here is The Tabernacle. Moreover, You shall make the tabernacle with 10 curtains of fine woven linen and blue, purple, and scarlet thread with artistic designs of cherubim, you shall weave them. The length of each curtain shall be 28 cubits and the width of each curtain four cubits. And every one of the curtains shall have the same measurements. Five curtains shall be coupled to one another and the other five curtains shall be coupled to one another. And you shall make loops of blue yarn on the edge of the curtain, on the selvage of one set, 
and likewise you shall do on the outer edge of the other curtain of the second set. Fifty loops you shall make in the one curtain, and fifty loops you shall make on the edge of the curtain, that is, on the end of the second set, that the loops may be clasped to one another. And you shall make fifty clasps of gold, and couple the curtains together with the clasps, so that it may be one tabernacle. You shall also make curtains of goat's hair, to be a tent over the tabernacle. You shall make eleven curtains. The length of each curtain shall be thirty cubits, and the width of each curtain four cubits, and the eleven curtains shall all have the same measurements. And you shall couple five curtains by themselves, and six curtains by themselves, and you shall double over the sixth curtain at the forefront of the tent. You shall make fifty loops on the edge of the curtain that is outermost in one set, and fifty loops on the edge of the curtain of the second set. And you shall make fifty bronze clasps. Put the clasp into the loops and couple the tent together, that it may be one. The remnant that remains of the curtains of the tent, the half curtain that remains, shall hang over the back of the tabernacle. And a cubit on one side, and a cubit on the other side, of what remains of the length of the curtains of the tent, shall hang over the sides of the tabernacle, on this side and on that side, to cover it. You shall also make a covering of ram skins dyed red for the tent, and a covering of badger skins above that. And for the tabernacle you shall make the boards of acacia wood standing upright. Ten cubits shall be the length of a board, and a cubit and a half shall be the width of each board. I'm now in verse 17. Two tenons shall be in each board for binding one to another. Thus you shall make for all the boards of the tabernacle. And you shall make the boards for the tabernacle, twenty boards for the south side. You shall make forty sockets of silver under the twenty boards, two sockets under each of the boards for its two tenons. And for the second side of the tabernacle, the north side, there shall be twenty boards. And there are forty sockets of silver, two sockets under each of the boards. For the far side of the tabernacle, westward, you shall make six boards, and you shall also make two boards for the two back corners of the tabernacle. They shall be coupled together at the bottom, and they shall be coupled together at the top by one ring. Thus it shall be for both of them. They shall be for the two corners. So there shall be eight boards with their socket of silver, sixteen sockets, two sockets under each of the boards. And you shall make bars of acacia wood, five for the boards on one side of the tabernacle, five bars for the boards on the other side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards of the side of the tabernacle, for the far side westward. The middle bar shall pass through the midst of the boards from end to end. You shall overlay the boards with gold. Make their rings of gold as holders for the bars, and overlay the bars with gold. And you shall raise up the tabernacle according to its pattern, which you were shown on the mountain. You shall make a veil woven of blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine woven linen. It shall be woven with an artistic design of cherubim. You shall hang it upon the four pillars of the acacia wood, overlaid with gold. Their hooks shall be gold upon four sockets of silver, 
and you shall hang the veil from the clasp. Then you shall bring the ark of the testimony in there behind the veil. The veil shall be a divider for you between the holy place and the most holy. This is an area I want to highlight because that just somehow stood out to me and we'll get to that. (laughs) Verse 34, you shall put the mercy seat upon the ark of the testimony in the most holy. You shall set the table outside the veil and the lampstand across from the table on the side of the tabernacle toward the south and you shall put the table on the north side. You shall make a screen for the door of the tabernacle woven of purple, blue, and scarlet thread and fine woven linen made by a weaver. You shall make for the screen five pillars of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Their hooks shall be gold and you shall cast five sockets of bronze for them. And that ends chapter 26. Wow. You know what I find so interesting is the detail. Talk about an almighty God. I mean, mankind could have never tried to come up with this, right? Even though we are made in the image of God, God still has the power and the ability to to, to give us the know-how of how to go about things, right? How to get through life, how to build things. I think this right here, this chapter right here just puts in my spirit that in anything that we want to do, if we seek God, he would give us precise measurements. He would give us detailed information on how to navigate through life. That's how this comes out to me. That's how this comes alive to me. And I, you know, for those who are reading along, please feel free to share with me. Uh, once again, I'm on Instagram at Knowing God Podcast. So please reach out to me, DM me, and tell me your thoughts. You know, how does chapter 26 stand out to you? There's so much detail on how he wanted this temple, this tabernacle to be built for the Ark of Covenant to be placed in, right? And the detail definitely shows how holy he wants it to be. So let's translate that into our lives today, right? When God has a purpose for us, when God has a plan for us, come on, Holy Spirit. When the Lord has a purpose and a plan for us, he orchestrates it in a way that you can't even do it. No man can do it. I don't care what self-help book you read. I don't care if you listen to the most famous purpose uh, person, excuse me, in this world that tells you this is how you go about life. No, when we take our thoughts and our ideas to God and we say, Lord, You must have put this in my spirit, but teach me how I'm going to get it done. God will give us details on how we navigate through life. And God is gonna be very specific with the directions that we need to take. That's how I see this when it comes to building that tabernacle. Our body is the temple of God and our body has details, right? As Christians, We are members of one body of Christ. Christ is the head, we are the body. But every single member has a specific detailing, right? To make that body whole, hallelujah. 
And so I feel like this is where God is taking us. Because people look at the Old Testament and they try to rule out the Old Testament. The Old Testament is still here to stay. You know, the Lord, our Savior, told us that he didn't come to do the way with the Old Testament. He just came to bring it to life, to give it meaning. You understand what I'm saying? The Old Testament is not done away with. Um, However, by the grace of God through Jesus Christ, his son, our Savior, we don't have to be bound to the laws of the old covenant, right? Because we have a grace through Jesus Christ. We can abide by those laws. However, when we mess up, we've got Christ. We've got an intercessor. We have an advocate. You understand? And so there's someone, there's this entity, this being, God, the divine, who stands right through his son, God the son, who stands in between us and the father to be able to redeem us from the laws that we have broken. And so the intricate detailing of how this tabernacle should be built just makes me see how the intricate detailing of the body of Christ should be. And that's what I gather from this. Holy Spirit, convict me if I'm wrong. So let's move on to chapter 27. And the subtitle here is The Altar of Burnt Offering. You shall make an altar of acacia wood, five cubits long and five cubits wide. The altar shall be square and its height shall be three cubits. You shall make its horns on its four corners. Its horns shall be of one piece with it and you shall overlay it with bronze. Also, you shall make its pans to receive its ashes and its shovels and its basins and its forks and its fire pans. You shall make all its utensils of bronze. Ooh, talk about God. You know, God is not mediocre. Okay. Hello. Everything is top notch. And that's why it is okay as Christians to enjoy life in Christ. Not enjoy life in this world, but enjoy life in Christ. And you too can have all the shiny things and give God the glory. Amen. Verse four, you shall make a grate for it, a network of bronze. And on the network, you shall make four bronze rings at its four corners. You shall put it under the rim of the altar beneath that the network may be midway up the altar. And you shall make poles for the altar, poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with bronze. The poles shall be put in the rings and the poles shall be on the two sides of the altar to bear it. You shall make it hollow with boards as it was shown you on the mountain. So shall they make it. See, when Moses was on the mountain, he was there for 40 days and 40 nights. So God has been showing him so many things. So it's like God is reminding him of the detailing of what was shown. But Moses already has a pictorial visual, right, of the images God has shown him. Hmm. Amen. Verse 9, the court of the tabernacle. So you shall also make the court of the tabernacle. For the south side there shall be hangings for the court made of fine woven linen, 100 cubits long for one side, and its 20 pillars and their 20 sockets shall be bronze. The hooks of the pillars and their bands shall be silver. Likewise, along the length of the north side there shall be hangings 100 cubits long with its 20 pillars and their 20 sockets of bronze and the hooks of the pillars and their bands of silver. 
and along the width of the court on the west side shall be hangings of 50 cubits with their 10 pillars and their 10 sockets. The width of the court on the east side shall be 50 cubits. The hangings on one side of the gate shall be 15 cubits with their three pillars and their three sockets. And on the other side shall be hangings of 15 cubits with their three pillars and their three sockets. For the gate of the court, there shall be a screen 20 cubits long, woven of blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine woven linen made by a weaver. It shall have four pillars and four sockets. All the pillars around the court shall have bands of silver. Their hooks shall be of silver and their, and their sockets of bronze. The length of the court shall be 100 cubits, the width 50 throughout, and the height five cubits made of fine woven linen and its sockets of bronze. All the utensils of the tabernacle for all its service, all its pegs, and all the pegs of the court shall be of bronze. Hmm. The care of the lampstand, verse 20. And you shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to cause the lamp to continually burn. In the tabernacle of meeting outside the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall tend it from evening until morning before the Lord. It shall be a statue forever to their generations on behalf of the children of Israel. And that ends chapter 27. My, my, my. He says, And you shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure oil. Pure oil of pressed olives for the light to cause the lamp to burn continually. So let's take a moment. One of the things that uh, really stands out to me, and I would encourage you, the listeners as well, to take a moment to look up the meaning of the uh, woven of blue, purple, and scarlet thread. Why those colors? What is the significance, you know, um, with this fine woven linen? Why does God, why is God so specific, we should say, of using the colors blue, purple, um, and uh, scarlet thread over fine woven linen. Also, one of the things I uh, can attest to really is the power of olive oils, right? And essentially, as Christians, we are children of light. We are children of Christ. Christ is light, right? This world is darkness. We live in a dark world. It says in the beginning, in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. It was dark. This is a dark place. God just put light, and that light transcends into Jesus Christ, who is the light that we must follow, right? And so as children of God, as children of the light, we are no longer in darkness, even though we live in a dark world. So this whole thing with the lamp burning, let's translate it into our lives today, right? Because I love to do it. And this is what the Holy Spirit is laying on me. We as children of light want to make sure that our lamp is still burning. We want to make sure that our lamp burns forever, that it does not go dim. 
We want to make sure that our light is shining bright for the world to see so that those who come in contact with you will have an encounter with Christ because they're going to be wondering, what is it about this girl, this guy, that his or her light just shines so bright? There's just something about you. When somebody says there's just something about you, that's a big thing. It means that you are leaving an impression on their hearts and their spirits, right? They're gonna leave and they're gonna always remember you. But see, you don't want them to just remember you. You want them to remember something about you. And that something about you is the light and that light is Christ, right? And so this lamp burning and being specifically told to the children of Israel to make sure that that light burns continually is also speaking to us as Christians who are spiritually grafted Israelites, right? If we want to put it that way, we're spiritually grafted Israelites because we're not actually born directly as Israelites, but we do come from that lineage because we have accepted Christ. And so when I see this, that's what stands out to me. Olive oil is, is also a very, um, the olive itself is a very, what's the word? Fruitful fruit, <laughs> right? Um, and it's, it is a fruit because it does have a seed, but olive oil is very significant. Uh, in the denomination that I'm a part of, it's a cherubim and seraphim denomination. And we use olive oil. We pray into olive oil. I'm sure there's a lot of other churches and uh, other Christian um, faiths that do it as well. And when we pray into this oil, we use the word of God, not not our words, right? We use the word of God to pray into the oil because the word of God is power. And so we use the word of God to help us, to aid us in our specific prayers when we pray into these oils. And the oil is not the one doing the work, no. The oil is symbolic of God's power. So when we utilize it, like when we put it on our forehead, on our in the middle of our, the crown of our heads, or when we, you know, do the sign of the Trinity on our foreheads, or we mark it on our doorposts, our windows, you know, all the entry and exit ways of our homes, we, we anoint our children, we anoint ourselves with it, we anoint our cars with it, everything that we do, because again, we live in a spiritual world. We live in a dark world. It's just that God gave us light so that we're not always walking in darkness. God gave us this light symbolically, right? Because he wants us to be able to follow light. He doesn't want us to be a part of darkness. You know, when it's dark, if you're a child of light, you wouldn't even want to go out after a certain time. Like when I come home and it's already dark and my baby girl is like, mama, I want to go for a walk. And I'm like, baby girl, it's dark. We're going to wait till it's light out because we're not children of darkness, right? But that does not mean uh, for those of you who work late and you have no choice but to travel in the dark, your light will always shine. But to keep your light shining, you must do what? You must be in alignment with God. You must be in alignment with our Savior, Jesus Christ. You must pick up the Word of God and it must be a part of your life. God must be the center of your life. God has to be your CEO, right? And we have to be the feet and the hands. We got to let him move us. He has to be our GPS through this thing we call life. That is what this Bible is. The Bible is not just some book. It's not a fable, as some people say. It's so interesting that people say it's just a book. But amongst all books that can be changed, by the way, the Bible, the words have never been taken out. It can never be changed. And there is a reward for those who even attempt to change the word of God. 
and that reward that reward comes from God himself. So I don't think you want to even see the wrath of God. I don't think you even want to test God in that aspect. There are so many miraculous testimonies of fires in like car fires or home fires or church fires and not one Bible is burned. But I promise you, every other book, autobiography, self-help books, they all burn to ashes except the Bible. Because the Bible, the words can never be destroyed, nor can it be recreated. There may be different versions of the Bible, but it still stands the same. Nothing changes. It's just English. English is a baby language. We have to understand this. English is a baby language. If you study Hebrews, you will see the power in the word of our Lord and Savior. And so what do I leave us with today? While God was detailed with how he wanted his tabernacle to be built and how he wanted the altar of um, sacrifice and offering to be built, God is also letting us know that this body has to always remain in the detailed perspective that God has made for each and every one of us to be in alignment with him, to be in alignment with the calling he has in our lives. Some of you might say, do I have a calling? I feel like I've not actually reached my potential. I feel like, um, you know, there's there's nothing out there for me. I'm, I feel lost. I'll tell you this, God is not a God of confusion. No, he isn't. God will allow you to go through life, right? And when, when I say this, it means we're going through life and we're coasting on our own understanding. But in Proverbs, the word says that we need to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways, we must acknowledge him and he shall direct our path. The word tells us that we should be still and know that he is God. And I'm not just saying it to you guys, I'm saying it to myself too, because a lot of times I need the reminder. So get you a sticky, write your favorite quotes from the Bible, things that'll keep you going. When you're brushing your teeth, you're looking at the sticky on the wall and you're reminding yourself, you know, when you're putting on your makeup or when you're getting dressed or when you get in your car and you pull your visor down and you're like, oh yes, through, uh, I can do all things through Christ who made me. That's right. I'm good. I'm going to start this day. It's going to be great. You can declare and decree and you can declare and decree and declare and decree all day, all night on the word of God and apply that to your life. There are people in the world today that manifest and make all these declarations without God in it. It's very dangerous. They might think that it's doing something for them, but that's because the mind is a very powerful thing. The Lord has our soul. He knows what we think, but the enemy likes to attack the mind. So you gotta be very careful what you open up your mind to, what you open up your spirit portal to. We live in a dark world. We are the altar of offering to God. This altar must be pure, it must be holy, it must be clean. He's not expecting us to be perfect, no, by far. But what he wants is that you are striving to be perfect every day. You're striving to be more like Christ. Meaning when you fall, when you make a mistake, when you when you sin, when, when you notice your iniquities, you drop to your knees and you cry out, Abba, Father, please forgive me for I have sinned. 
I should have never made fun of that girl. I should have never cursed this woman out. What would make me even abuse my husband? Why, why did I do this? Please, Lord, forgive me. And seek forgiveness from the person you offended as well, even if they accept it or not. But that is you creating a clean slate. And I, and I tell you, when you do these things, when you apply these things to your life, because it's very simple. People think you have to be poor or, or corny, right, to serve God. Oh, no, 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 no. There are very many wealthy, beautiful, good-looking people enjoying life with Christ, with the abundance of wealth that God has blessed them with. So when we are reading the Old Testament, yes, we're reading what God had told them in those days, but today we can apply it to our lives. Everything is symbolic. Everything has meaning. With that being said, we have come to the end of today's episode. I want to thank you guys so much once again for tuning in, for spending time with me, for just taking the time to listen to my podcast. You could be doing anything else, but you chose to listen to the word of God. And because you chose to listen to the word of God, I pray that the Holy Spirit fills you up and brings you so much joy that you just want to be in the presence of God all the time. And everything that your heart desires, as it is God's will, it shall be granted unto you in the name of Jesus. God bless you all. I love you. And thank you once again for tuning in. Tune in next week. I may be having a special guest. Bye.